Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Lilo Nishmas, Ephraim, Chanan Yom Teflipa, Shmuel, Yaakov, and Amesha, Jeanette, Bas, Ibrahim, Akoyen, and passed away yesterday, Dorit, Bas, Moshe. On a personal note, Baruch Hashem, a very, very exciting week for us. As Chazde Hashem, we had a wedding last night. My brother, Baruch Hashem from Los Angeles, made a wedding. I'd like to wish him Malatov. You see much nachas from the couple. Israel and... Also, tonight, your cousin is making a wedding. Her grandson, Metzshem, in Monroe, New York. And Metzshem, the Shabbos, we are hopefully going to merit, isn't to hate. We're looking forward to meriting, Baruch Hashem. Eishalom Zachan, a bris of my newborn grandson, to my son Ezra and daughter of Sarah. May they see much nachas, harichas, yom, vishanam to the child, to the parents, and to all their children. They see Yiddish, Yiddish, and nachas. I hope I got everything out of the way. <laughs> yeah, as we said, tonight is a wedding, and therefore I'm recording this in the morning. And uh, unfortunately, depriving all those that are usually online live. My apologies. You'll get a video. A beautiful command. Commanded to Aaron, so seems. Ignite. Ignite the lights. The word actually means cause it to ascend. And from this, Rashi tells us the sages understood. It was a step in front of the Menera. The Kayin ascended, preparing the lamps. The kindling of the Menera itself is also a metaphor of its own. As we know, we're going to speak about from Mishlei. So to the step in front of the Menera teaches us when a person ignites the godly spark in his fellow Jew, and we're going to now discuss how this makes them an ascension. Sorry. The commandment is given to Arun Akayim. Now we know that there was a little issue over here Aaron had. A little egotistical issue, actually. Not nice to say that about Aaron Akayan, but nonetheless. Each shavit, each tribe, was represented by another nasi, a head of state. Each nasi, as we spoke last week, brought a sacrifice 
to dedicate the altar. Push came to shove. Each tribe was represented, except for the tribe of Levi. And Aaron Hakoyin was, I guess we can use the word despondent slightly. Why are we worse than anybody else? Hence he was given this mitzvah of Baalesukas Haneris. Rabbi Yisai. Arnakoyin was more than just a brother to Moshe Rabbeinu. An older brother at that. Arnakoyin was Ayyav Shalom and Reyiv Shalom. He loved peace and chased peace. He had an attribute unmatched, unequivocable. Who was able to compare even to Aaron? He would go, and we spoke about this many times, the entire nation mourned, mourned his passing because he was so involved with helping people, so involved with seeing to it that there was peace between friends, between neighbors, between families. And he had a unique way about it. But the reason that he was so successful is simply because he was so sincere. Despondency? Seriously. He did not find a reason, a rhyme, as to why he would not merited, why his tribe did not have that part of the dedication. Let me tell you another thing about Aranakayim. Perhaps it's a little bit more enlightening about him. The Torah tells us, Baalishchas Hanedos, Aran is given this task to light the Menorah, to kindle the Menorah. Needless to say. Imagine yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, Rabbi Say, being given the task to light the menorah in the temple. The excitement, the trepidation, the joy, the pride, the energy, the adrenaline running through you as you're taking the lit torch or whatever the tool that they were using and lighting the actual midnight. It was not a public scene. It was inside. But what a magnificent experience. What a phenomenal connection to God we make we're having. Especially since we know that the question the Yomara asked, was it needed for light? It was not needed for light. It lit up, illuminated the entire world. So the question, not the question, I'm sorry, the uniqueness I'd like to tell you about Aranakayim, that same stamina, 
that same enjoyment, that same pride, that same push that he had that first time he lit the menorah, he kindled the menorah. He had that every single day thereafter. Mind you, the first day it just set it up. It's beautiful. It's exciting. It's invigorating. But the days after it, it had to be cleaned first from yesterday's wicks, etc. That might take away, it might make it a little bit lackluster of the excitement, but no. He approached this mitzvah every single day with the exact same fervor, with the same fire within himself, to light this mandata. You want to tell me then that such a person, such a phenomenal person, was despondent, was not grasping why is he less than any other one of the heads of tribes, that his tribe does not merit a service special to them. But the truth to be told, it was not that deep. It was not that severe. It was not a concept, Chas of jealousy. And we'll discuss it soon, how that fits in with the rest of the parasha as well. Let us go back though. The parasha begins with the commandment of lighting the menorah. Menera Zohov. And we find this mentioned in the Haftera as a parable to Am Yisrael. The candles of the Menera are symbolizing the soul of the Jew. As brought down in Mishlei Ner Hashem Nishmas Odom. The candle of God is the Nishama, the soul of the person. This is within each and every Jew. And these candles need to be lit. They need to be brought to a level of ascension to awaken the soul and the shama of each and every Jew and to bring them to the light of Torah. Spiritually speaking, we can explain this with all the intricate parts of the laws involved in lighting the banana. For example, there are two halachas. If you keep your score at home, you might have Yuma, Chavdal and Amid Bey's 24, side 2. One is that the lighting of the banana had lokus kshere bezor. The lighting of the menera was kosher even by a stranger, not by a koyin. Even someone that's not a koyin has permission, I'm sorry, to light the menera in the English. Second halacha, the cleaning out of the menera, the preparation 
for the lighting can only be done through a kayin, not through a zar. Now you ask, how is it possible for a regular person to light the menera if the menera was inside the kodesh? And the answer is simple, it can be brought out of the kodesh into the azara. And we see ultimately that by the story of Hanukkah, that's pretty much what went down. It was brought outside, unfortunately. This halacha, that it could be lit by the Zara, we said, tells us how every person has the obligation and the possibility and capacity of lighting the nishmas of a, the neshama of a second Jew. It's not single people that can do it. It's not only Yechidah Skula, as we call them, the special people that have a potential to go and to bring a Jew closer. The merit and obligation is on each and every Jew to go out there and to find a fellow Jew and to ignite their souls. My son studying in Brazil is in Paulo. But for Shavuos, they went to Rio de Janeiro. Three days, the yeshiva wasn't open. The eight boys went to Rio de Janeiro. (laughs) There, they didn't sit on their laurels. They went around a little bit. But one of the things they did was they walked around with their twillin always and actually found a Jew who asked them, Cape Baish, what's happening? What is Tvil? They asked him to put on Tvil. He said, what is it? And it's a 20-year-old, 20-plus-year-old, I believe, and they asked him, you never put on Tvil in your life? No, no, no. And your mother is Jewish? My mother is Jewish. So they put on Tvil with him, and they started to dance with him. Simen Tev, Mazel Tev, we're making you an official Bar Mitzvah. Something you obviously never had. You never put on Tvil. We've told that story enough times of the boy that became by mitzvah and wasn't a very, very orthodox family. The grandfather was orthodox. The grandfather bought very, very wealthy grandfather bought the grandson a beautiful pair of tefillin. Nothing. After the mitzvah party, the lavish party, the everybody went home and the mitzvah boy ran to the stack of envelopes that he had, wasn't interested in anyone's envelope except for his grandfather, because his grandfather is so wealthy. He must have given him who knows what, and he couldn't find it. And he went through a second and a third time through the pile, and there was no envelope from his grandfather. He was very, 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 very taken aback and very disappointed. How is this possible? He gives me this bag with these boxes in them. What do I need that for? Well, he couldn't exactly call the grandfather and say, where's my check? <coughs> a few weeks went by. 
And he had occasion to talk to his grandfather on the phone. And he says to him, Grandpa, I have a question to ask you. I hope you don't get insulted. After my mitzvah, I went through all the envelopes to see where yours is, where your check is, my gift. I'm your first grandson to be by mitzvah, and, and you didn't give me anything. How? Why? Did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Grandfather began to laugh and cry at the same time. He said, my dear grandson, the check I wrote, I put the check in an envelope and I put the envelope inside your tulum bag. I see, obviously, you haven't opened that either since your mitzvah. Powerful lesson to the boy. But more so, shows us how each and every Jew has a responsibility and connection for another. And Pirkeiavis, we just learned this past Shabbos, Pirkeiavis, Mishnah Yedbez, if you keep your score at home. The Mishnah says, have a of Shalarin, as we just said in the beginning, Ayev Sabriyas Makarvan Latayra. Love the creations and bring them closer to Tayra. May we see that every Jew can and must try and strive to be Makariv, to bring closer his friend. Needless to say, Bedarkinayim Uba'ava. In a peaceful way and with love. And bring them closer to Tayra Mitzvah. We don't know how we have effect on another. We don't know how we forge a connection with another. We don't necessarily feel that we are capable sometimes of selling anything, that we have anything more to sell to anybody else. But just know that if you can read the Aleph Bez and its vowels, and you have a friend that cannot read the Aleph Bez, and you teach him that, you have taught and you have brought closer. And if you just teach them to read the vowels, so much so. And therefore, and most importantly, it's done peacefully, pleasantly, and with love. With an unconditional love that shows what kind of connection you have with the person. So that anything you ask that person the person would immediately do it and understand that you only mean for their own benefit. And what happens is, ultimately, every time a mention, it's just a common phenomenon when you're close with somebody, when you love somebody, when you care for somebody, and they say something that's witty or funny, Anytime it's repeated by somebody else or anything, it doesn't. you don't hear that person saying it, you hear the other one saying it. It's, it's, it's a natural phenomenon of the psyche. And therefore, if you tell a person about a certain mitzvah, and the person indeed accepts and hears and loves, 
you for who you are. And the person accepts and feels you're only telling them for their good and benefit. Each time that mitzvah comes up, they will see to do it for you. For Hashem, obviously, but because you told them so. If you tell a person to take Negevas every day, then before they go to sleep at night, they know, I'm going to sleep, but the person that I really want to do everything for, and I never want to let down at all, would want me to take Negevasa. I'm in bed and I'm tired, but that's all the person ever asked for me. I'll get out of bed, and I'll go bring my Negevasa. Because this is the thing that the person asked me to do. And I have such people that put on tefillin on that basis. I have people that can make a bracha on something they eat or drink out loud because I asked them to. I'm not talking on a personal basis. I'm talking about any any given person. You know somebody and you see the way they make a bracha. They take a piece of a cup of water and they... And they drink it. Excuse me? I made a bracha. Let me hear it, please. Let me answer Amen. I get a merit, I get a schluss for answering Amen. So the person will make the bracha out loud next time. So you can answer Amen. But then, even if you're not there, the person will remember making a bracha out loud. Because this is what that person asked me to do. Somebody else will answer how many of them. And therefore the cleaning of the menorah, the preparation of the wick and of the oil before lighting it, can only be done through a kayin. What does that tell us? That although each and every person has the obligation and the capacity to bring a fellow Jew closer, But when it comes to actually decisions, when it comes to actual <coughs> division of mind and of feeling, only a koyan actually can involve themselves for that. So a Jew needs to think. Since he's commanded to bring every Jew closer to Taylor Mitzvah's, he can decide to himself, how do I do this? He chooses his own ways in order to bring others closer. He separates different parts of the Teda according to how the person, not compromising, you don't compromise Teda. You just see to it that the person is able to complete what they need to. You give them the personal touch of being Mekayim the Mitzvah. So the Torah comes and warns. You may not prepare yourself the the material for the lighting. Because you may just push people away. Has
the one that has the potential, the proper path to actually get on the right path, you may push away. But who is the one that can actually see to it that it's always done correctly? This is the Kayin. He is a jet setter. He himself can light Nishamas after the Reacha, Kamecha, Yereacha. When they divided up Israel, the Holy Land of Israel, they entered into Israel, every tribe got a portion, except for Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi. And about Shevet Levi it says, Hashem, who Nachalosai, God, is their inheritance. And the Ramam describes the Kayin like a person, Hashem Nadvaruchai, he gives his total soul over and devotes it so that he can departmentalize himself just to serve God. This is the tzaddik. The tzaddik that detaches himself from the physical. All he wants is to be attached, connected to God. Such an Ish Elikim, only he can prepare the Er HaNeshama. After he's given this path, and each Jew has the potential, therefore, thereafter, to see to it, to be Mephitz Mayonis HaTayra Mitzvah, to spread this word, wells of Tayra and Mitzvah. Very, very interesting subject, which this parasha touches upon. And therefore, it shows us how the Teda is so complete throughout its entire cycle. As we said before, Arnakain was borderline despondent over the fact that his tribe was not represented in the dedication of the Mizbeach. Hence was given the mitzvah of the Meneda, which would light the world, illuminate the world for generations and forever. (coughs) 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 Then we learn about the Karim Pesach. The Karim Pesach needs to be brought on the 14th day of Nisan. Then we hear a story. And the Torah tells us of a story of these people that were Tomil and Efesh. They were impure. Whether they were impure for carrying the bones of Yasef, impure because they took out Nodav and Avihu, they were Tomil and Mace. And the person that's Tomil and Mace cannot bring the Karim Pesach.
So after Pesach, and watching all the enjoyment, all the excitement, and all the happiness and the joy, these people became very, very, very hurt. And they turned to Meshe Rabbeinu and they cried out, Loma Nigora! Why are we worse? Why should we be deprived from such a beautiful mitzvah? Ay. And they use the words, Loma Nigora Lavilti. To bring the carbon of Hashem in its time. And Meish Rabinu does not know what to answer. Different reasons how and why Meish had to forget. And he turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells them, there's good news, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's not an oncoming train. The next month, Chedesh Ir, Yudalit Ir, you'll have Pesach Sheni, and you'll do the Karben Pesach then. Beautiful story. Save the day. Meish Rabbeinu was able to add another portion of the Teda due to these Jews, because what they asked. We learn it for face value. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Unfortunately, face value doesn't work. We need to dissect. We need to dig. Allow us to begin to dissect. When the Jews were leaving at Mitzrayim, Egypt, they brought a Karim Pesach. Everyone no exceptions. Weren't they tummy? Weren't they impure in Egypt? So the answer we can shake out of our sleeves, this is before Matan Teda, there was no concept of Tuma. We're good to go. We're good to go. This is now a year later, a year after they left Egypt. Some people, only some people became impure. Elamai, more than some people became impure, and therefore a paraduma was prepared, a red heifer. And the red heifer and its concoction was sprayed, the ashes were sprayed on the impure people, and they were able to bring the carbon. In that case, what happened to these people? How were they left out of the picture? They knew the red heifer was going to be sacrificed. They knew the red heifer was being brought. They knew about all about the red heifer and that's halachas. Why weren't they there to become pure so they should be able to bring the carbon Pesach with everybody else? 
One of the answers in the Gemara is because it was the seventh day. <coughs> person that's tummy has to be, purify themselves for seven days before they're sprayed with the, with the paraduma. Because the question remains back the other way around that Iliyatsur, they did bring the carbon. Excuse me, so they could not bring the carbon now. Then what happened in the second month? How were they able to bring the carbon in the second month? They were impure. So we see from here that obviously they were impure at the time, but they were sprayed with the red heifer. Tells us, therefore, the Teda, that at the time of Karben Pesach, the first one, in, in Nisan, they were still in their clean days, and therefore they were not able to be sprayed just yet. The fact is, how did they come to present their case if they were impure? They have to be outside. They came because now they were sprayed already. And now they said it was too late. We see, therefore, another step in the same theme that we began the parasha with. So we said we began the parasha with Arnakayan feeling despondent and wanting to know why he is not part of the dedication. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu dispels all his worries, dispels all his heartache, and gives him the mitzvah of the Meneda. Continues the parasha on the same theme. Lo manigara. Why? Why are we not able to bring this carbon Pesach? And again, HaKadosh Baruch comes up with a solution. I'd like to discuss the concept the concept of Pesach Sheini. But prior to that, I'd like to touch on another subject here. Tita is a very, very, very positive guide to our life. Tzedah Lashon We hear the story of these people, the Tmeim Lenefesh Nabach. We start to get so sad. These poor people. Everybody was bringing the Karim They were sitting there on the side Nabach. Anybody with a half a heart finds empathy for these people. You'll sympathize with them. You feel so sorry for them. And then, the beautiful solution. Pesach Sheni. Beautiful, amazing. Now they have a way to make up 
for what they missed in the Pesach Rishon. Then, the Pasa continues to say, in this very same slew of sentences, that anyone that God forbid has a potential to bring the first say in Chedish Nisan and does not, they are they're destined to be killed. Why? Why in the middle of all the beauty? In the middle of all this excitement, in the middle of all this anticlimactic solution that comes about, that there'll be another Pesach. Does the Torah have to throw in? You don't. You could bring in the first, and you don't. When it comes and discusses the laws of the Karim Pesach, the first time, right over there, that if a person doesn't bring it at its right time, what their punishment is. Why here? There's another big question asked about this whole pa- this whole chapter. This is the first year they left Egypt, the first celebration, first Pesach. We don't hear again the 40 years in the desert that they brought a Karim Pesach. Not till they entered Eretz Yisrael. Here we had a small group of people that was so depressed and so hurt and so touched of the fact that they could not bring the Karim Pesach on the first Pesach. And this story is told out loud so everybody should hear it to inspire everybody to teach us all the lessons we're about to learn from it. And then for the next 39 years, nobody says a word about the fact there was no Karim Pesach. got away with it. <laughs> they got away with it. <coughs> Therefore, it tells us Tata, no. There's a Pesach Shani. Yes. And it shows all the lessons that we're about to learn about it. Oh, but Rabbi you have to know. Rabbi Yid, it's important that we know that we do not let a mitzvah slip through our mm-hmm. fingers. It doesn't say don't leave it, don't desert it. It's just like you're not allowed to have chometz on Pesach. And just like you went and deprived the Karim Pesach 39 years, this I want to tell you, and nobody even asked, nobody cried, nobody begged, nobody, nothing, nobody mentioned. I want you to know that even though I'm telling you there's a carbon Pesach Shani, if you don't do it when you have to do it, like every other mitzvah, if you don't do it when you have to do it, it's not positive.
So we said before that is either because carrying the iron, the, the iron of Yosef, or because not even of you. They didn't bring carbon pesach at the time. The fact that this was able to be compensated, that this was able to be made up, became scored home again. Madam Sachim Tzadik Gimel Amar Aleph ninety three side one. According to the Dasar of Nosson and Dasar of Chanina Ben Akavia. And Rebbe, etc. We see in the Ravid all these different halachas. That what? First of all, we see you can make up something you've lost. He missed Pesach Rishon, he can make it up with Pesach Shani if the circumstances were extenuating, not if the person purposely did so. Secondly, Tashlumim, com- completely making up, is from the word Shlemus, complete. Making Pesach Sheni a yomtiv of its own, a complete yomtiv. And this is what Rabbi says, and this is how it comes out in Halacha and the Rambam. Pesach Sheni is a yomtiv of its own. So according to these words, Yedalit Ir is a time for Pesach. Another date that we need to bring it. And all those that did not yet bring. So one is telling us how we can always make up something, and one is telling us how it needs to be completed, how it's a complete entity on its own. What are these two lessons? If we accept that Pesach Sheni its idea is only to fix the flaws that we did in Pesach Rishon. This explains that Yudalad Ir is not a time that's fit for Akrava Sakarbun. It's only a Beles Breda, as we call it. You missed for extenuating circumstances the first date you can make up what you missed according to Rebbe Yudalad Be'ir is a time when the Torah established the bringing of a sacrifice obviously someone that didn't bring the first time can't bring them sorry someone that brought her in the first time can't bring them because you can only bring once a year these two lessons, completion and compensa- making up and to complete, are connected one with, intertwined one with the other. <coughs> if a person has the capability to add in his shlemus, to add in their fullness of their service to God, and they refrain from doing so, They're already making a flaw in their Aveda. The Etzim have shot us to reach out, to achieve 
the complete cycle, a person needs to therefore to fill in all the holes, to fill in all the voids, and to strive to to achieve complete total. The Fidik Rebbe explains this, another concept of Pesach Sheni, as he says in the Yem Yem Yavidal Ir, Pesach Sheni teaches us as Nishdor Kemfafam. There's never anything that's lost, that we can't make it up. We can always fix. Even somebody that was he was totally entrenched in the most mundane and lowly practices. In a far off way, distance from Judaism, even to them, when this is done, bizarrely, he did it on purpose, he still can make it up. Teaching us that Pesach Sheni invents the hope That one can always fulfill what they did, what they left out. Whatever level a Jew finds himself in, even if it's Archmanulatslan, the lowest of lows spiritually, and they sin the worst cardinal possible sins, they are Archmanulatslan, and they did them on purpose, they may not give up. There's Ishtak and Fafal, there's no lost. Tshuva is always an option. However, (coughs) you're telling me if only sinners can benefit from Bezajani? Tells the Tater, no. Bezajani is for everyone. Even the one who did not sin. The Jew that says, Pesach Sheni, I can add, I can't bring another carbon, because I brought my carbon Pesach already. I can, fulf- I can fill in any kind of holes that I might have. The marshal to reach out and to help another Jew, to influence another Jew to behave and do the right thing. In the proper way, of course, as I said before, Bidarkin Noyim. So, this is the concept of Pesach Sheni that was being kept even for the person that did not sin. To this Jew, we say, Pesach Sheni, you need to achieve that next level. And the Bashemtov says, that the Neshama comes down into this world and lives and toils for 70, 80 years just to do a favor for a fellow Jew, a physical favor. Or maybe a spiritual. Nobody knows what 
that good deed is that they have in their in their sights that's set aside for them to do that their neshama came down to this world for so therefore we have to go according to the generalization tearing off and eating savor the moment save the moment the opportunity that comes your way because when this comes to your way it comes to your capacity to do good for others definitely you complete and fulfill your void and helps you in your own life in that way So at the end of the Pasha, Pasha tells us that the Jews were fed. What were the Jews fed? They were fed money. We know about this way back in Bishalach. Ted is telling us what went on when the mon came down. Sorry, not the mon, the tau, the dew. By the falling of the dew, uberevis hatal amachin aleila yedet hamon alov. After the dew came down, the mon fell on top of this. An interesting shaila. Not really shaykh today, unless you live in a deserted town with no calendar. And no one can learn or does learn anything at all. What happens in a situation where you don't know what parsha to read? Come Shabbos, you have to read a parsha. You know which one? It's brought down in Svarim in the name of Sadi Goin. That if we don't know what parsha to read, we should read parsha Samon. It talks about the miracle of how the mon came down in the desert. What's the reason and rhyme behind this? Parshamon said in Shabbos. The question is asked, there's other parshas that are said on Shabbos. First one is Asad Asadibris. Har Sinai. Keep him score at home, pay Vavav and Beis and Shabbos. So you need to say, therefore, in a place where there's a connection, an inner connection, and a taken between Shabbos and Parshamon. More than any other thing that's mentioned in Shabbos. The man is prepared, in the Teda, as it says, Lechem min Hashemayim, bread from heaven. And there are opinions 
that you have to make a bracha when you ate it. You made the bracha What was so special about this? You didn't need to trouble yourself with understanding and figuring out the bracha. It went totally into the body. It filled itself. It filled all voids of your body and discarded what needed without, without discarding anything thereafter. It did the function, the bodily functions to the body itself. By being able to physically be in perfect condition and shape, one was able to do spiritual things much better. To the man had a special, therefore, um, potion, let's call it, that gave wonders in spirituality. It rendered the person pure by eating this. And Chazal tells us, therefore, who was the Tere given to to learn and study? Those who ate the man. This influence of above, of the man, circumvents all. Doesn't it, it, inclo- it, it envelops all types of Jews: the wicked, the tzaddik. The difference in tzaddik and shayim. He been scored on the Gemara Yuma Ayin Aleph Ayin Hey Ayin Hey Amar Aleph. When the Gemara explains Ki Haya Hevdul and Tzadikim Beinim and Rishayim, Tzadikim there was a difference between Tzadikim Beinim and Rishayim. Tzadikim Yar La Pesach Betayim. The tzaddikim got the mon by their doors. Benim yotzev alaktu. The enemy went out and gathered. Shayim shatu alaktu. That to search for it, that to take it, that to work it. The bottom line, the shayim got as well. So not always the mon have the same effect on them to make them do mamis tshuva. So therefore we see that the Mashdibi, what was so great about the Mon? Lechem and Hashemayim. Even the Rishayim were able to benefit from it. That even though as it, it went into their body, into their system, was digested this godly food within them, and their blood became blood, and the meat became the flesh became flesh. They remained who they were, but the man kept guard of them over them for special situations. And this point, therefore, comes in comparison with man and Shabbos. Just like man never gets lost, we never lose its beauty and its its. We never lose what we never lack to cherish its value. It remains as spiritual as possible. So too Shabbos.
This Gemara Yerushalmi tells us even a Rasha Gomer, even the worst Rasha does not lie on Shabbos. Doesn't mean he's not a Rasha on Shabbos. He remains a Rasha. But the light of Shabbos causes him not to lie, not to tell a lie. And this is as well in the eating and the drinking. In the weekdays, a Jew has to be careful they eat according to what's needed from the health, the body, etc. And of course, the person looks into what pleasures they have from it. In Shabbos, the mitzvah to eat and to drink, to indulge with all delicacies and everything that we enjoy. This itself sanctifies and makes it a mitzvah. And Shabbos can bring about to elevate also the, everything that's prepared. And therefore we read Parsh Hamon, and we don't know which Parsha to read that Shabbos, because the reading of the Parsh Hamon brings down to the world the light of Shabbos, and the strength in which it comes down to the Mata Mata, and with this to keep the mildness of the Atzimus of a person. May we merit Taka to this Shabbos, to see the Shabbos of Shekuli Shabbos and Menucha, to merit to have the level of the Mon, to merit to have the level of Kedusha that Shabbos brings each and every one of us in a beautiful and enlightening way that we should once again hear Teira Chalash and we should go into Yerushalayim and HaKodesh and Mazel Tov to all the Simchas for this week and Shabbat Shalom